0: All right. Let's turn to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter one. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were we went through the uh, biblical basis of uh, what we might call typology. In other words, we've been going through a study on the law, and we went through the Ten Commandments, and then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the biblical basis of the types in the Bible. In other words, uh, we looked at what the uh, how that the things that are in the law were not the final product and the final destination in God's plan, right? They were just shadows that were cast uh, by the real objects. And and we, we spent some time. So I trust everybody is kind of familiar with with that uh, that concept. So I won't I won't rehash all of that. But uh, all of the uh, we talked about the offerings. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices, we talked about the priesthood, we talked about the tabernacle and the temple and all the different vessels and instruments related to that. We also discussed the holy days and the festivals festivals and feasts. All of those, as far as the Sabbaths and a bunch of other things, all of those are directly and plainly referred to in, especially in Hebrews and Colossians, as shadows. So even though they were real in the Old Testament period and are still used and venerated by the Jews in our day, although they're hollowed out because they don't actually have sacrifices anymore, uh, but they just have a shell of what God actually commanded. um, Even though those, those things were real events, real holidays, real things and commandments that God gave to them, it was not God's final intention. It was just a shadow to give the basic outline of something that was to come, but the real thing. The Bible talks about the very image. In other words, we, and you remember the uh, the illustration of the Iwo Jima monument that we did with the projector and, uh, and the difference between the actual object and the shadow. And so these things that we're reading here are just a shadow. Well, what we want to do is... We, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't know how far I'll get because as I started studying this, this subject got bigger and bigger and bigger and actually very a lot more interesting. And I, and I really hope my, my heart's desire is that, that you find this interesting um, as we go through it. So what I want to do is uh, tonight and maybe next, next Wednesday, I want to take a look at the offerings. There are five offerings that are—by offering, I mean a sacrifice— but it's also an offering. There are five of them listed in the Old Testament, in the, the program, God's program or in the law, you could say. The five offerings are, the, are thus. The burnt offering, and they're in this order. The burnt offering covered in Leviticus chapter 1. The meat offering in Leviticus chapter 2. The peace offering in chapter 3. The sin offering in chapter 4. And lastly, number five, is the trespass offering in chapter five. Now, these these five offerings are the entire plan. In in fact, when you look at all the offerings and all the times offerings occur in the Old Testament, even before the law, what you find is the offerings almost all, there's one exception, the drink offering, but with that exception, almost all of them fit within one of these five. One of these five. So I wanna, I'll want i do a very brief overview of all of these offerings, and you'll start to see how they're similar and dissimilar. Okay, so let's pray, and then I'll do an overview of those before we get into the first one. Our Father, thank you again for the opportunity to meet together. Thank you for your people who are here. And I know, Lord, there are some who aren't here that would be here. They would be here if, if it was possible. They would be present with us because they desire uh, to seek you together with the church. And I pray your blessing and grace upon them and those that can't be here. And, but, but, but upon us here as we look at your word together, Lord, help our heart to be focused and in tune with your spirit and with your word. And I pray that these things that we study, please uh, use them in our lives for good to help us to see the depth and the richness of your wisdom and your grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the burnt offering, number one, the burnt offering was, uh, an, uh, and when I say offering, you have to understand you use the word offering and the word sacrifice uh, mostly synonymously, okay? So the burnt offering was uh, an offering made in which a bull, a sheep, or a goat, a turtle dove, or a young pigeon was offered to God, it could only be a male. It had to be uh, that th- that animal would be would be killed. Would be it would be. It's who is calling me at this time? I know who it is. Okay, let me get my train of thought back. Okay. So the, the burnt offering was a bull, sheep, goat, turtle, dove, young pigeon. It could only be a male. That animal's throat would be cut. The blood drained, caught in a basin. And then the blood would be taken and sprinkled on the brazen altar, which was the altar on the outside of the tabernacle. Okay. This animal would then be divided into its various parts, laid on the altar. The wood would be set up. On the altar, it would be laid on the altar, and the whole animal would be burned. You think that is so gross? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. The Bible says that this was an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay, so you have that offering. Then you have the meat offering. The meat offering had no blood. The meat offering did not include an animal. The meat offering was uh, was basically made of grain. It could be fine flour, baked cakes, fruit, fried cake. I was going to say fruit cake, not fruit cake. Fried cakes or fresh, <laughs> fresh or roasted wheat. And then they would take that and they would prepare it. They would pour oil on it. There could be no leaven or honey in the offering. And then they would take it to the priest. The priest would take a handful of it. And he would take that handful as a memorial that is, this is what is offered to God, and he would burn that on the altar of burnt offering, and then the rest would belong to the priest. Okay, that's number two. I'm trying to go fast so I don't, everybody don't go to sleep on me, okay? Number three, the peace offering. In the peace offering, you could offer a male or a female animal. It could be a bovine. It could be a, a sheep or a goat. The blood would also be... The animal would be killed in the same way as the burnt offering. That the blood would be sprinkled around the brazen altar... But this is different. In this one, only the fat of the animal would be taken out. And the fat would be burned upon the altar. And and then the rest of the animal, with the exception of just a small portion of the animal, would be waved before the Lord, and that would be given to the priest. The rest of the animal would then be consumed as a meal by the one who offered it. Okay? You with me? So that's different. Then you have the sin offering. The sin offering was offered as a result of some sin committed by the person who offered it. You could offer a a bovine, a sheep, or a goat. And in the same way, the animal would be bled. The blood would be placed upon not the... Altar of burnt offering, but upon the altar of incense in some cases, and in some cases on the altar of burnt offering outside, it would only then only the fat would, would likewise be burned. Then the remainder of the animal, this is different, in the sin offering, the remainder of the animal was taken outside of the camp and burned. Okay? Its, it's, its body was burned. And lastly, you have the trespass offering. The trespass offering is essentially the same as the sin offering. It just covers a certain certain kinds of sins, special cases of sins that uh, that would not be more general as in the sin offering. So it's a special kind of sin offering. Okay. So you got those five offerings. Now, let me give you a couple, just a couple of points. Points. A couple of uh, 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 aspects about the offerings that that is. Universal to all five of them. Of these offerings, four of the five require the blood of an animal to be spilled. Now, this is not like bloodletting where you could just bleed a little bit of the animal. No, it was when you cut the throat of the animal and that, you bled the animal dead, Right? You caught that blood and that blood had to be offered. When you say offered, that means they would just literally, they would take their, their fingers and they'd put it in the blood. And if this was the altar, which the brazen altar was a lot bigger than this, but this was the altar, they would just seven times. That's it. Here's the thing. Remember, here's what I want you to remember. Keep in mind. That these offerings is how many of you? Let's be honest here. How many of you read this? We haven't read anything. How many of you read and understand these descriptions and it sounds repulsive to you? It sounds, brother, brother York is shaking his head because he's a deer hunter. <laughs> I've never, I've never processed a deer. I have no idea what that's like. But Brother York, of all of us, Brother, uh, Brother Vernon, does it sound gross to you? Or it, just sound, it sounds gross, yeah. I know Brother Vernon's a deer hunter, but well, it sounds gross to me. It sounds really nasty to me. But you have to remember this, as we look at this, as we see this, and sometimes we might be revolted by it, probably at this time it wasn't nearly that much because that was, you know, like I said in Sunday school, I like to get my meat where animals aren't harmed, at the grocery store, right? That's where I like to get my meat. But in in the rest of the world, uh, this was common. You know, wringing a chicken's neck was something even our grandparents would have known how to do, right? So, uh so, anyhow, even though there's a certain level to in our culture, in our time, of, of revulsion to this among some of us, as you look at this, you have to remember that this is not the final product. This is just the shadow. This is just the shadow. This represents, even though they practiced it for hundreds, hundreds of years, thousands of years, even though they did, it... it represented something far more important in Christ. But listen to this. Even though it sounds gross and we see the blood and there's blood everywhere, the life of the animal had to be spilled. The blood is the life in order for these people to approach God. Think about it. This is God's prescription. The life of this animal had to be poured out. That animal had to die to approach God. Anything else would be disobedience and rebellion. They would not be accepted by the Lord. If they did. Because listen, it was God's way. It was God's way. It might look gross to us or whatever, but this was God's way. Right? So any, if we look at this, we say, and people have over the years that are, are skeptical of the Bible... They look at this and they, they think, you know, in their modern American thinking, they think, well, this is gross. I don't like this because it's gross. And I don't like the Bible because it's gross. But here's what you have to remember. This is God's way. This is what God told them to do. There's a lesson in there. All right. And, it, and it, furthermore, the fact that this is so gross and nasty to us, and so, we, you know, we think we pity animals. You know, we see animals and we pity, unless we shoot them to eat them. But <laughs> anyhow, we pity animals. But listen, it ref- what God told them to do, it reflected the serious nature of sin and how it relates to God's holiness. You see, you, as we've studied before, you can see how serious a matter is based upon the sacrifice required. You can see, even in the judicial system, you can see how serious a crime is based upon what? The punishment that is prescribed for that crime. And that's why in societies, much like our own, when you see this upside down, you see people who have, who have done minor crimes get the book thrown at them and then go to jail forever. And then you see other people who do heinous crimes and walk scot-free. You know something's upside down. Well, not so in God's economy. These animals had to die. Remember, again, this is not the final product. There is a final product. But this, this is merely a shadow. But it does remind us of the serious nature of sin. It required the death of these animals. Now, that's just the shadow, but what about the real thing? The real thing, of course, we know is Christ. These things just represent, they foreshadowed the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses and we think about the gore of the Old Testament. Hebrews nine twelve. just listen if you would. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, you see, all that gore and all that blood running down as a river, it just merely foreshadowed the blood of Christ. Far more gory, far more serious and grave, which reminded, reminds us of how grave and serious our sin is. Hebrews 10, verse 4 continues with, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is. No remission. Somebody tell me what remission is. What is remission? Yes, ma'am. Exactly. We would say in common parlance, we would say forgiveness. If you want to be technical and, and, and get a 10 cent word, expiation. This verse says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Not in the Old Testament, not in the New. This is the price of forgiveness. Now we know ultimately, thankfully, this was fulfilled once for all, upon the cross, once for all. Hebrews 10 verse four says this: "For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away." Sins Right here. So everything we're reading, it says they were forgiven, but they were forgiven maybe in the temporary sense, but not in the ultimate sense. That could only be accomplished by the very blood of Jesus. So all of these offerings, all of these gory offerings point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now another point I want to make about this before we get a little bit further into our study. The offerings, all of these offerings... Represented Christ. Each one of them had to be without blemish. In other words, the animal could not have any part of the animal that was out of the ordinary or discolored or 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 uh I want to say handicapped, but you know, deformed in some way, couldn't be diseased. The animal had to be, it couldn't have like a broken horn or whatever. It had to be a whole animal complete and, and in all its parts. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter 1:18 and 19. I'm showing you how these things are a shadow of the real thing. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus had not one blemish, no moral blemish, I would, I would even go so far as to say Jesus had no physical blemish. And I, there's doctrinal reasons to say that. But Jesus had, most importantly, he had no blemish of sin whatsoever, ever in his life. He kept the law of God perfectly. And that is the only reason why he could match, right, the shadow we see here. Because the shadow could not have a blemish. And so Jesus did not have a blemish. If Jesus ever sinned, he could never be the Savior. If he had any fault, he could never be the Savior. This is what God required. This is what God required. Now, what's one more this thing that's interesting, if you would uh, look at chapter 2 of Leviticus, verse 2. This is a kind of an interesting... Um, Is verse 13. I'm sorry, I don't know why I wrote verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 13 says this, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt shalt offer salt. That's kind of a weird thing, ain't ain't it? Now look, hold your place here. We're coming back. Look at Colossians chapter number four. Colossians chapter four. Verse six. I want to show you what this salt represents. Colossians 4 verse 6 says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So the salt in this is a, is a, is a picture and a representative of Grace. So no matter if you're looking at the burnt offering or the sin offering or the meat offering, and there's all these differences and there's so many interesting things about that. But no matter what you're looking at, here's what you need to remember. That the grace of God is what makes all of this possible. The grace of God, that is God's goodwill, His favor. God didn't have to do this. He did not have to provide a way for the, the Jews to approach Him with these offerings. He could have just cut them off and said, figure it out. No, he provided a method to approach him. And God could have left us in our sin, but he did not. He provided a way for us to come to God. And all of that is possible. That's why every sacrifice is seasoned with salt. The salt represents the grace of God. Just like it gives your, it gives your speech the right flavor, when your speech has grace, it makes it makes your speech have the right flavor when you're talking to other people. So the offerings had salt. The grace of God is on all of it. Now, let's look at the first one, the burnt offering, the burnt offering. So let's go back to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter one. Now, what's unique about the burnt offering? Now, I'm going to run out of time. We're definitely not going to get through five unless you all want to stay to like nine o'clock. Anybody want to stay till nine Oh, come on. Man, y'all had a chance to, y'all had a chance. Miss Sherry Sherry definitely wants to stay until 9 (laughs) o'clock. Yes. The next day. Okay. The burnt offering. Okay, the burnt offering. The Bible says, the first thing I want you to look at is verse number 9. The Bible says this. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. Notice the words, Of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now that's kind of a weird thing. The Lord says it smells good. That's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? I mean, first of all, we assume that you know, the, the Lord has a nose and he smells things, Right? There's a 10 cent word for that. I forgot what it's called. Somebody help me. Joseph probably knows, don't you? When applying human characteristics to God and throw something. <laughs> I can't remember. One of you, Miss Judy probably knows. So does, does God, the point, the point is don't get stuck on that. God says it smelled, the offering smells good remember, don't get stuck here. This is just the shadow. Look at the real thing. Here's the real thing. Ephesians chapter five, verse two. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, who is the offering in this verse? It's not a, it's not a bovine. It's not a sheep, a goat. Who is the offering? Jesus is the offering. And it says, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This is a reference in Ephesians 5 to the burnt offering, where God mentions the smell. Because remember, the burnt offering was the only offering in which the entire animal was consumed on on the fire. Okay, so in the burnt offering, and that's what makes this offering different than the rest, the other five, the other four rather, in the burnt offering the entire animal was consumed by the fire. We saw that in verse 9, they cut the animal up verse as an example. Verse 8 says this, "And the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice." You see that? That's why it's called a burnt sacrifice. You're burning the whole animal. Now listen, Fire in the Bible is symbolic of judgment. So you have this picture of the animal. You know, if you visualize this animal is being burned. It's dead, but it's being burned completely by this fire on this this altar, right? And you have this picture of judgment. The fire is consuming the whole animal. The wood was laid in order upon the altar, where it would be offered, and that reminds us of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Take a peek there in Genesis chapter 22, if you would. Look at Genesis 22, because you're going to see some serious parallels. Genesis 22 and verse number 2. Notice what it says. The Lord says to Abraham, tempting him, Genesis 22, verse 2 says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Remember, this, this is way before the law, right? Look at verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built, there, built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So that's why they took wood up to Mount Moriah because he needed wood for the burnt offering. Just like the priests, Abraham laid the wood out. He, made, he was building a fire. He laid the wood out and then he took Isaac and bound Isaac and he laid his whole body on top of the of the the wood because he was giving he was doing a burnt offering. Now watch. Isaac the sacrifice of Isaac what does that represent in scripture? That's an easy one. Abraham represents God and he said, you remember God will provide himself a lamb. Isaac represents Christ. And here you have the same thing happening in the law. It's just repeated. It's reminiscent of Abraham and Isaac. It's the two together, the law and Abraham and Isaac, perfectly picture the Lord Jesus offering Himself, listen now, to be wholly consumed by God, the fire of God's judgment. Wholly consumed, every part of Him. Remember, in 1 Peter, the Bible says that Jesus offered His body as a sacrifice, right? It wasn't just a, it was a spiritual thing, but it wasn't just a spiritual thing. It was the whole man was upon the altar, like we might say when he was on the cross. And on that cross, Jesus took our sins. He, the Bible says he became sin for us. You know what happened? The fire of God's judgment consumed Christ in our place. He was judged he was punished for us. This is exactly what we see here in the burnt offering. In the burnt offering, you see furthermore that the animal was restricted. Verse number two. Oh, verse three, I'm sorry. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male. Without blemish, so the burnt offering could not be female; could only be male, restricted to a male, because this this most properly represents Christ's sacrifice, wholly consumed by the fire of God's wrath for us. The burnt offering in particular was offered. Now, look at uh, look at Exodus twenty nine. You might not know it, but we're almost done. Okay, Exodus twenty nine, and verse thirty eight. Look at that real quick. Now, pay attention. This is good. Pay attention to this. Exodus 29, verse 38. The Bible says this. Now, this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. Okay? Drop down to verse 42. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. Now, now follow me here, please, listen. Normally, when there's an offering taking place, who, how, does it, how is it initiated? Normally, if there's an offering, for instance, a sin offering, some guy brings the animal To the door of the tabernacle, he meets the priest, and he says it's what it's for. The priest goes through the ritual and the process, and the animal is offered. The man initiates the offering. In this case, not so. This burnt offering is not initiated by man. This is commanded by God. Now listen, and God says, I want you to offer a lamb every morning and every night forever. Continually. Furthermore, I also want you to give a burnt offering at the first of every month forever. I also want you to give an offering every Sabbath day forever. You think, man, that's a lot of dead. <laughs> that's a lot of fire. I agree. The thing is, this offering was continual. And God himself was the initiator of it. Not a man of his own free will. No, no, no. God says I want you, this is my command, this is to be done every month, every day, every week, forever. I want you to be reminded forever and ever with no input from any person. In other words, this was God's offering. Now think about it. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll stop there once we get through Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It says this, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? You see this continual offering, continual offering? That's what we just read. This is what God told them to do about the burnt offering, continual. And there are other continual offerings besides this. For then, would, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance made of sins every year or every day or twice a day or every week or every month, as the case may be. Verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, now here's where it gets good. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, who is he? Who is he that's coming into the world? This is Jesus coming into the world. Look what it says. He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. That's key. You ought to be thinking, okay, how does that relate to the burnt sacrifice? A body. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Jesus is speaking now prophetically. I come to do thy will. So imagine, this. Jesus, our Lord is saying, it's almost like a heavenly conversation, sort of. Prophetically, the Lord is saying, thou hast prepared me a body. And he says, I come to do thy will with this body. When Jesus came into the world, that's what he said. I have come to do the will of my father with this body. Okay, keep going. Verse 8. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burn offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not neither hath pleasure therein which are offered by the law, then said he lo I come to do thy will O God. He taketh away the first. What is the first? The first is Leviticus 1 2 3 4 and 5. That's what we In other words, all that all the laws and the offerings and all those things that were continued, that's the first. But when Jesus says, oh, God, you've given me a body. I've come to do your will. He's saying, put that away because the real deal has arrived. Right. And he says this, that he may establish the second. Now, look at verse 10. By the which will. Now, stop. What does that mean? He's talking about the will of the Son of God. He said, I come to do thy will. In other words, Jesus was willing by his willingness. We are sanctified, how? Through the offering of the what? Body of Jesus Christ. Notice the next three words. Once for all. In other words, in the law, it was continual, twice a day, every week, every month, every year, always, always, always. And then the real thing comes. You could say that was perpetual, right? But the, when the real thing comes, these, all these things are just the shadow, the foreshadow of when Jesus comes. He does it once and it's forever. Not over and over, but one time Forever. Verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and oftentimes off, uh, off, ministering offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. That's that's the burnt offering. That's what we just read, right? Over and over and over and over and over. You, you remember those priests? You imagine those priests were like, oh, I gotta cut up this ram again, another ram, another, you know, another cow or bull or whatever. You know, they probably got tired of it. That's probably all part of the plan. which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus is the burnt offering, right? He is the burnt offering, not to be offered uh, continually, but once for all. Forever, Jesus, when he came into the world with a body, that body voluntarily went to the cross in the place of sinners, all sinners, every sinner. That body, that man was consumed, him, his whole being consumed by the fire of God's wrath, just like that burnt offering but his offering only had to happen one time forever so in the same way that that offering was perpetual so Jesus offering is perpetual but in in the in the old testament you couldn't do it perpetually because you know the animal died and you had to repeat the process to make it perpetual but with Christ one time even though they were never their sins were never fully removed But with Christ, they're removed forever. What need is there to do it again? There is no need to do it again. It's done once for all. In this verse, you see, the whole sacrifice repeated over and over, but with Christ, you see, the sacrifice is one time forever, and therefore it supersedes all the continually uh, offered burnt offerings. You see, Jesus is the burnt offering. Now, that, that's, that's interesting to me. That's amazing. Now, here's the thing. In the list of the offerings, you have the burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. You notice that the burnt offering is the first. Now, these five offerings are reflective of our relationship to God different aspects of our relationship to God. Now, in Israel, they were literal offerings, but as we view them from a, a scriptural perspective, they represent different aspects of our relationship to God. But you can't have a relationship to God without the first. Because the first is what? Is the offering that God made to bring sinners to Him. Not man, the offering that God made, the burnt offering. It was the one Complete, final sacrifice. Listen, this is why, this is why we say that it's all of Christ. It's not of Christ and baptism or of Christ and be a good person and of Christ. No, no, no. It's all of Christ. What He did is everything that is required. We merely receive that benefit, right? He did it all. It is a listen, it is an offense to the blood of Jesus shed for sinners to add something to his bloodshed. It is an insult because it makes his his blood and sacrifice insufficient. But in truth, God's offering is fully sufficient for any. And every sinner that will come to him. And you can, you can see that, and I, I hope you're able to see the, the parallels, the shadow and how it matches and it, and it prepares our mind and heart for the real thing, who is Jesus? Let's pray together.